Well, let's preach a little bit. Let's preach a little bit. Amen. Philippians 1. I don't know how far we'll get into this. If the rapture takes place this afternoon, I'll let Brother Leader finish it tonight. How's that? <laughs> Amen. My notes will be in my Bible, Brother Leader. You just pick up wherever I left off, all right? Man, I'm glad I'm saved this morning. I'm glad I'm saved. I told him not even worry about the PowerPoint. We'll just see what we got here in Philippians 1. <clears throat> this is the introduction to my session yesterday that I didn't get to teach. Let's just look at verse 20 for a little bit. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul uh, writing to the church at Philippi. He said in verse number 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope. Let's just stop right there just a second. And this is, this is, he's talking about himself here. He's talking about him in verse number 20. We're going to get to it in a second, maybe. According to my earnest expectation, my hope that enough I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And I read verse 20. I've only read it about 50 times in the last week. Meditated on it. The more I think about it, the bigger it gets. Here's my question to you this morning. If you're saved, do you have any earnest expectations and hopes for your own personal walk with God. Because so here, here's where we are many times. Many times we have people around us, maybe it's our, our spouse, maybe it's our parents, young people. Parents, it could be your, your kids. It could be your youth pastor. It could be your Sunday school teacher. It could be your, your pastor. Got people around us that have higher expectations and hopes for us than we have for ourselves. And I'm going to tell you this, church, that's not how it works. Now, Paul had some expectations and hopes for the church at Philippi. That's in chapter 1 and verse number Six, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I've got some great expectations and hopes for the church at Philippi. I'm confident that God's going to finish in you what he started. I've got some great expectations and I've got some high hopes for y'all. But he had some for himself. If I were to if I were to grab you after church and bring you into my office and sit down at the table and ask you, what is your earnest expectations and hopes for your relationship with Christ? Would you have any? Because if you don't, I mean, if you can't think of them immediately like half a dozen, you're on autopilot. You're coasting. You're coasting. You, you don't have... You don't have a drive. There's, no, there's nothing driving you. I, we, got, we, got, 
We've got right now more opportunities as, as the, the church, 2023, the church, the people of God. We have more opportunities right now than any, any era, era of Christianity since the book of Acts. Amen. I mean, we just talked to a missionary face to face pretty much halfway around the world. We have the technology, we have the means, we have the opportunities right now to accomplish more in a lifetime. Stay with me now. We have the opportunities to accomplish more in a lifetime than the Apostle Paul did in his lifetime. I mean, everywhere he went, he had to walk. He had to walk there. And if he took a ship, half the time they crashed before he got there. How many times did Paul experience shipwrecks? Huh? Look what a man did in 30 years of ministry. We don't have excuses. We don't have any excuses. And, and this was the verse that I was thinking about last night. You say, well, I, I'm, I'm really not interested in doing too much for me. I just want to bring glory to God. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Here's what Jesus said himself. If he was here this morning and he was, and he was preaching out of John 15, here's what he would say. If you want to glorify me, if you want to glorify the Father, here's how. Bring forth fruit. You're not going to glorify the Father with a life of laziness and apathy and complacency. If I were to, if I were to say, preacher, you're getting real. Well, this leadership orientation, we don't normally televise this stuff. It's closed session for a reason because we get real up in here. But this is my leadership orientation class or first part of it. If I were to give you this three by five card, this side's already messed up, but I, I give you this one. And I said to you, you got till, you got till we dismiss to write on this side of this card your fruit this week. Your fruit from this week of Christian life. I wonder if you could fill that card up. Or I wonder if you'd be sitting there biting the end of your pencil going, um, I know I did something for God this week. I just got to think a minute. Just give me a minute, preacher. You want to glory? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, herein is the Father glorified. Herein is the Father glorified that you bear much fruit. You want to glorify God? You got to do something. You got to produce. Imagine, the, imagine a church where every, every church member was producing fruit. Imagine. We wouldn't know what to do with the fruit. I don't know where we'd put it. Am I right? Yes, sir. Amen. He's talking to the preachers. He's talking to the, he's talking to the apostles. He's talking to the evangelists. No, he's talking to everybody. He's talking, let me put it this way, John 15, the context, he's talking to anybody that's in Christ. If you're in Christ, he was talking to you. Now, if you're not saved, he wasn't talking to you. But if you're in Christ, he's talking about the vine and the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, same faith bring forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you're in Christ, he's talking to you. You want to bring the Lord glory? I'm not talking about glorifying Stacey Shifflett. I'm not talking about glorifying Calvary Baptist Church. Uh-uh. No, I'm talking about glorifying the Father. You've got to bring forth some fruit. Well, you say, well, that's, 
uh, that's just kind of an abstract, that's just kind of a, a metaphor. No, no, no. It's, it's real people bringing forth real fruit that really glorifies a real father. Right. Ain't none of that in there imaginary. That's, right. that's, that's tangible. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. I don't want a fruit tree in my garden that brings forth metaphor fruit. <laughs> I don't want no metaphor fruit jelly on my toast. Come on, y'all. He's talking about real fruit. So you're saying you're saved. You say you're right with God. Let me ask you something. Where's your fruit? Paul said, I've got earnest expectations and hopes for my own relationship with God. I've got some, I'm raising the bar. I'm raising the standard. This is not easy stuff. I'm not playing high jump and I've got it down there on the six inch level. I'm, I'm raising the bar here. I've got some earnest expectations and hope for my relationship, my personal involvement. My question here this morning is do you? Because if you do, you're going to think about it a lot. You're going to study about it. You're going to read about it. You're going to work at it. And you're going to fall short a lot, just like I do. We used to play high jump. I mean, I mean, y'all used to play high jump. Remember high jump? Anybody play high jump? And back in the day before I got fat and old, I could jump. I could jump. We would take those poles and we had those bars and we'd see who could jump the highest. And I remember even as a kid, I could out jump everybody. And I was the shortest one there. I don't know how I did it, but I did. I could run fast and I could jump. I could jump high. And we'd try to jump it and we'd kick it and it'd fall over. And we'd say, put it back up there. We'd try it again. We'd try it again. Try it again. Keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. I played basketball in high school. I could barely touch the net. Barely. But I'd stand under that basketball goal and I'd jump, 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 trying to build my leg muscles up so I could jump higher. Not, I knew I couldn't dunk it. That wasn't going to happen. And I know they say white boys can't jump. And that's true. I couldn't. <laughs> but it didn't stop me from trying. But I knew that if I could jump higher, I could play better defense. And I might could block a shot every now and then get a good pack in there. You know what a pack is, right? Just embarrass the daylight side of it. They go up for a shot and you just smack that ball. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to play. And I had to work at it because I was short. Can I tell you something? I have to, I fall short. Come on. Sure. I'm not going to let it stop me. As a daddy, sometimes, Brother Barley, I get it wrong. As a husband, sometimes I get it wrong. As a Christian, sometimes I get it wrong. But I've got some earnest expectations and hopes that before I get out of here, I can jump a little higher, do something, produce some more fruit. Let's just go through here. According to my earnest expectations and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Boy, what a statement. That in nothing I shall be ashamed. I think he's talking about being ashamed of his relationship, ashamed of his we're talking about testimony here. Brother Leto gave his testimony in Sunday school. He started it out talking about testimony. Everybody has a testimony. You have a testimony. You should have a testimony. You got the testimony of salvation. That's, that's, a one, that, 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 that's not going to change. Your testimony of salvation 
That's how you got saved and you tell that story and that's awesome. But then as you live your Christian life, you have a testimony of service and faithfulness. And that, that's up to you. And that can change. Paul said it before. Paul said, I don't, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a stumbling block. I, I don't want to cause somebody to shipwreck. I don't want to live my whole Christian life serving God and then crash and burn and, and ruin my testimony. And he says, my earnest expectation and my hope is that in nothing I shall be ashamed. I don't want to have to hang my head. I don't want my heart to condemn me when I hear the word of God preached, when I hear the word of God taught. When Jesus comes back, I don't want to be ashamed at his coming. Huh? That's a, pretty good, that's a pretty good standard to set for yourself. An earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. I've had church members in the past, I knock on their door, they wouldn't come to the door. They was embarrassed how they was dressed. Of course, it was in their own house, so we could argue about whether or not it was any of my business. My point being, they couldn't come to the door because they was embarrassed. You'd see them in town, and you would see them at Walmart, and then they would duck and dive. And you'd say, I know so-and-so down at the other end of that aisle. And you walk down the other end of that aisle, and they're walking out the door. They left their shopping cart full of stuff. They're out the door across the parking lot. They didn't want to see the preacher. I don't, I don't believe the Apostle Paul was that way. Because Paul had high expectations and hope that in nothing he should be ashamed. I don't think he was talking about being ashamed before his church member friends or his brothers and sisters at the house of God. I don't believe he was talking about being ashamed for the preacher. I believe he was talking about being ashamed for the Lord. I believe that's what he's talking about. He said, is it even possible to live a life where you're not ashamed? Well, that's what he was aiming for. Am I reading that right? That in nothing I shall be ashamed. We talked a few minutes ago about the ambassador. Somebody asking them a question, not knowing the answer. That'd be embarrassing. Imagine sitting at that embassy in Nairobi, Kenya, and they ask you, what about your, uh, uh, you're the ambassador from the United States. Tell me about your national anthem. You say, well, no, it's high, it's hard. It's got a lot of high notes. And, and then for that person over there to say, well, I was reading about it the other day. A guy named Francis Scott Key wrote it during the War of 1812, sitting on a ship, a British ship in the middle of the Baltimore Harbor. How embarrassed would you be? How embarrassed are we when the world asks us the reason of the hope that is in us and we don't have an answer? <laughs> you going to heaven? Yeah. How you know? Well, I got saved. How you know you can't lose it? Well, oh, I, I preacher said we couldn't. A lot of people believe you can lose it. That's right. A lot of people. In fact, there's more people believe you can lose your salvation than people that don't. Out of all the cults and all the denominations that are out there, one thing that separates Baptists from the rest of them is we're one of the few that don't believe you can lose your salvation. We believe in what the Bible calls eternal security. The Bible teaches that. And you, we get excited about it. And you wave your hand and say, Woo, I'm going to live as long as God lives. Woo, I'm safe forever. Prove it. Can you show me in the Bible? Well, it's in there somewhere. So that's what I'm talking about. I don't want to be ashamed when it comes to those things. I don't want to be ashamed when I'm standing before God at the judgment seat and he says, who'd you bring with you? I was saved in 1976 as a four-year-old boy. That was 46 years ago. 
I've been saved. He's going to say, I saved you nearly 50 years ago. If, if the rapture took place right now, who'd you bring with you? Who'd you bring with you? Because that's the only thing you're going to take to heaven. You know that is other people, right? You've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Never. I've never seen a pod with people's stuff in it sitting next to their grave at the cemetery, okay? All you can take, all you can take with you is other people. So when we get, Brother Nick, when we're standing before him at the judgment seat, I don't know, he might, he might not. He might say, who'd you bring with you? You know it would be embarrassing? I'm talking, about being, I'm talking about being ashamed. Say, no, I just, I just rolled around in the blessings of God for 50 years, rejoiced in my eternal security, and I didn't bring one soul with me. That'd be embarrassing. I mean, it's free. It ain't like you're going to bump into somebody that can't afford it. It's for everybody. It ain't like you're going to bump into somebody that's got the wrong color skin or come from the wrong side of the tracks. It's for everybody. And it's free. It'd be embarrassing not to be able to take somebody with you. I meet up with it, brother. And I'm not, I'm not the poster child for soul winning. I'm not the poster child. I ought to be. If I think about how many people I've brought to Christ, it's a little bit embarrassing to think about it. How many missionaries did you help support? You had all your hobbies. You had all your golf clubs and you go golfing and spend all that money on them green fees and you had all your toys. You had all your stuff. Worked 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week to pay a mortgage on a house. All you did sleep in it because you was gone all the time working. And all your money spent, you, you, you had all that money, had all that talent, had all those skills, was able to, what, how much of that did you put into getting the gospel around the world? I don't want to have to hang my head and say, good night, Lord, I, I spent more on dog food than I did on missions. Lord, I spent more on, on Netflix and Hulu and cable television bills. I spent more in a month on entertainment than I did on world evangelism. I don't want to put all my works in a big old pile and stick a match to it. And there'll be no gold, silver, and precious stones, just wood, hay, and stubble. And everything goes up. Smoke. There it is. All your life, everything you work for, gone. So only what's done for Christ is what's going to last. Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but rather lay up your treasures in, in heaven where moth cannot corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You cannot serve God and mammon. Paul said, I, I've got high expectations and I hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed I don't want to be ashamed about my standard of living, my Christian life. I don't want people to look at me and see me in town and have to even guess for two seconds whether or not I'm saved. They ought to know you're saved the minute they lay their eyeballs on you. And can I tell you something, y'all? In 2023, it ain't hard. It ain't hard to live separate from the world. Let's just be honest. The world is completely fried. There's two things I don't want people to ever have to guess about when they see me. One is if I'm a male or a female. That's number one, all right? 
That's right. My mama had a boy baby. I got a twin sister. I got a twin sister. Some of y'all didn't know that. I got a twin sister. And no, we're not identical. I was a boy, she was a girl. And she had pink stuff and I had blue stuff. You won't ever see me wearing pink, ever. If, if, you find, if y'all find my body dead somewhere, washed up in, a, in, in and I got on something pink, somebody killed me and changed my clothes because I did not put that on. <laughs> Foul play somewhere, you mark it down. My sister wore pink, I wore blue, and I'm 50 years old, ain't never had nobody wonder. You say, but your name is Stacy. Say it again, I'll punch you in the face. Say it again. Say it again. I dare you. My job has been making Stacy a man's name. That's my job. I had no control over what my parents named me, but they ain't nobody ever accused me of being no girl. I just had to get that out of the way. Another thing I've always wanted is for nobody to have to wonder whether or not I'm a Christian. I don't want them to have to cock their head and study me for 10 minutes to know whether or not I know God. Huh? I want to walk like my father. I want to act like my father. And I've had a lot of people walk up to me in town and say, you're a Christian? You're a Christian, ain't you? I had a guy the other day at the, at the GNC, big old black guy, football player. That joker was ripped. Man, I wish I had arms like that. Well, no, I don't or I'd work out. But <laughs> I'd rather eat out than work out. That joker standing behind the counter. He said, he asked me a question. I asked him a question. I said something. He said, he said, you're, you're a Baptist preacher, ain't you? I said, how'd you know? He said, your voice. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Had, that, had that Monday morning preaching croup. I ain't never want anybody to question whether or not I'm saved. And we got people today in full-time ministry, I'm not sure they're even saved. Because they don't live like it. Don't act like it. Paul said, in nothing, I've got earnest expectation. I'm trying to get through this verse, y'all. Earnest expectation, I hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Boy, that's a mouthful. We're not talking about bringing shame and reproach on your church. And people do that. I'm not talking about bringing shame and reproach on my family. Or bringing shame and reproach on my staff. We're talking about bringing shame and reproach on the Lord. He said, my goal is that in nothing, in nothing, that's a big word, y'all. I'm trying to move past this. That's a big word. In nothing, in nothing, I should be ashamed. That's my goal. That's what I'm aiming for. Look at the rest of the verse. You ready? Oh, my goodness. Here's what he said. But that with all boldness, as always, Paul didn't have, you know what? When, even when Paul was afraid, he was bold. <laughs> when Paul was scared to death, he had more boldness than most of us. In, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number two, he says, when I came unto you, I came unto you with much trembling. My knees were knocking. My stomach was in knots. Huh? Boldness is not 
the absence of fear. Boldness is doing the right thing when you're scared out of your mind. That with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. What a statement. Christ shall be magnified in my body. Now, I didn't say my spirit, and that didn't preach. He said in my body. Because people can't see your spirit right. at Walmart. That's right. I love what Brother Bell said yesterday. He said, whatever is going on in your spirit is going to be evident in your body. Huh? He said in Romans 12, 2, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. Not a holy spirit, not a holy and, and, and righteous spirit, but a holy body. Holy, acceptable unto God. And Paul said, I want to magnify God in my body, whether by my life or by my death. It don't matter. But here's what I want. Here's my expectation and my hope that in nothing I'll be ashamed and that my whole life through my body will be making much of Jesus Christ. Glorify him, magnify him, magnify him, make him, make him look bigger to the world. You can't make him no bigger than he already is. He's so big now the heavens are his footstool. You can't make God no bigger. But you can make him look bigger to the world by the way you and I live. Am I reading that right? That with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. See, Paul had desires for other people. Not just himself. Look at chapter 1. Look at chapter 1, verse number 9. This I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and, and in judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. See, he said, I'm praying for you that you will live your life without offense. I'm praying that you'll reach the spiritual walk with God that your day is not filled with stumbling and bumbling and bringing shame and reproach, but that you'll be able to live a Christian life. He says, but just for the record, I kind of have the same goals and expectations for myself. That's really how it's going to work. You got to want them for yourself. Surround your people that want you to do more for God and be more for God and have a greater testimony. It's not going to work until you want it. Kind of hard to witness to somebody blowing cigarette smoke in their face. Oh, I'm telling you, Jesus changed my life. And he can change yours too. He can get you to the point where... You don't need nothing but Jesus and a cancer stick every two hours. (laughs) You just feel it just kind of get tense right there, just kind of got. We've got a lot of Christians offering up burnt offerings, burnt sacrifices, and wondering why they don't have any power of God in their life. I've never, met, I've never met a church member that sucked on cigarettes that was full of the Holy Spirit of God at the same time. Holy Spirit of God lives inside. He lives inside. You're, what? What? 
You said it, know that. What? No, you're not. That your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit's in there every time you suck on a cigarette, you're blowing smoke in the face of God every time. Defiling the temple. That in nothing I should be ashamed. I'm a magnified God. Whatsoever you eat, whatsoever you drink, whatsoever you do, do all the glory of God. I tell you what, I never seen anybody before they lit a cigarette say, Lord, I come to you now about to, about to smoke this cigarette. I pray that you'd touch it and bless it. Use it for the furtherance of the work of God. <laughs> bless it, Lord, to the nourishment of our bodies and our bodies to thy service. In Jesus' name, amen. Light a cigarette and suck on that thing. See, see, Say, well, you make a big deal out of nothing, am I? We're talking about expectations and hope that in nothing we should be ashamed. But that with boldness as always, we ought to magnify, magnify. Christ shall be magnified in my body. God ain't gonna be magnified in a body that's living in fornication. Hooked on pornography. Talking about in nothing be ashamed. Would you be ashamed this morning if we were to throw your internet browser history up on the screen for the whole church to see? Because Jesus sees it. And he was sitting there with you when you was looking at it. Seeing those text messages. Looking at those social media feeds with all that ungodly stuff. We're talking about our body. Am I still in the book, y'all? Christ should be magnified in our body. Adultery, fornication, and pornography. And smoking and drinking and cussing and cursing. Paul said, I got some high goals for myself. I don't want to be ashamed in anything, and I want to magnify Christ in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, that was the introduction to the message. I wonder this morning with the heads bowed and eyes closed. Can you, can you echo what Paul said in verse 20? Can you, can you in 100% honesty say with the Apostle Paul, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. I believe that's about all we can handle this morning. Altars open, altars full, altars are packed, but there's room for more. Now, you may be here this morning and say, Pastor Shifflin, I'm not even sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I hope I would. I think I would, but I can't say for certain that I know I would go to heaven if I died today. And I would like for you to pray for me. Would you be honest enough right where you're at, right where you're sitting? Would you be honest enough? Would you be concerned enough about your soul to slip your hand up where I can see it so I can pray for you? I would not embarrass you for a million dollars. I see that hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. 
I am not sure that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Anybody anywhere? Anybody anywhere? You say, I'm, I'm just, I'm confused. Listen, God's not the author of confusion. That's what 1 Corinthians says. God's not the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14. The devil's trying to confuse you. God gives answers. God gives clarity. Would you let somebody take a Bible this morning and help you? It's not too much trouble for us if it's not too much trouble for you to help you today know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. There's nothing greater. There's no greater thing that you can do in your life than get that settled. If you're watching online, there's a phone number on the screen. If you'll text that number and say, I need to talk to somebody, somebody will call you in just a few minutes as soon as church is over with a Bible and try to help you over the phone. Church member, let me ask you a question. Do you have earnest expectation and hope for yourself? Can you say, like the Apostle Paul, that in nothing I shall be ashamed? I want Christ to be magnified in my body. Can you say that this morning? Because if you cannot say that, you ought to be in this altar asking God to help you be able to have that level of surrender that your life is all about making much of Jesus Christ, magnifying Him, bringing bringing lost people to the saving knowledge of Christ, being a witness, being a testimony, being an ambassador, embracing that ministry of reconciliation that we talked about in the song service. Some of you need to get in this altar and confess some sins. Get right. you, need, you need to leave some things 